You're listening to Short Takes on Suicide Prevention, where experts talk to each other about how research is shaping suicide prevention. This podcast is brought to you by the VA Rocky Mountain Myrec. And now on to today's conversation. Hi, I'm your host, Dr. Edgar Villarreal. Today we're going to talk about student veterans and the meaning of life. I'm excited to introduce our guest. We're joined by U.S. Army veteran Jeff Moe. Jeff is a VA social worker who ran the Veterans Integration to Academic Leadership Program, VITAL, at the University of Texas at Austin and Austin Community College. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. We're also joined by VA researcher and occupational therapist, Dr. Adam Kenny, who has recently done research with student veterans to study how their military experiences shape meaning in life. Welcome, Adam. Thanks so much. I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Same here. One of the reasons I wanted to bring you together today is because you both do suicide prevention work with veterans and student veterans. It's a really important topic, and I'm glad uh, to have you both here on the show. We're going to get started with Adam's research in just a moment. Uh, very interesting, but I really wanted to uh, jump in and bring Jeff into the conversation uh, Jeff, as a social worker with the VA, what's your experience with student veterans? Tell us about the program you've been involved with. Yeah, so I was a student veteran outreach coordinator with the Veterans Integration to Academic Leadership Program. It's a program that was started by the VA uh, back in 2011. And really, um, they saw how many veterans were going back and using their GI Bill after getting out of the military, going back to school. And it was the perfect point to really meet veterans where they were at, to be able to engage them and really uh, bring mental health services get people enrolled in VA healthcare and really provide some advising to colleges and universities on how to serve veterans more effectively. And VITAL still continues to work in a wide range of, of activities in that regard. It really sounds like the mission and the purpose of the program really kind of capture, you know, that the word VITAL there. It sounds like it provides some really great support to transitioning veterans um, why are student veteran services important to you personally and professionally? What got you into the work? Well, you know, as, as a student veteran, I got out of the Army in 2009, and uh, I came right to graduate school at the University of Texas at Austin, and I was so excited to, to get to come to Austin and, and uh, attend college. And uh, once I got there, I mean, I, I discovered the transition was really tough, and I'll, I'll talk about that more in a little bit, but... Um, really the, um, that sense of meaning and purpose in my life that I had had so strongly in the military suddenly was kind of more in flux. Um, the, the social relationships that I had and developed, you know, over my years in the military, uh, really, um, I had left that behind. And even though I was still in contact with them, there, there was just a new way of making friends and everything coming into the, into the college environment. Um, and so the transition was was kind of rough for me. I made it. I made it successfully, in, in my opinion. Uh, but um, really, uh, this opportunity came up to join the vital team when I graduated from school. And so I immediately began working with student veterans. And I just saw what an important transition point that was for veterans and how much uh, we could help empower veterans in that environment to really um, transition and, and to really own their transition through and to also connect them with important services and really help them 
connect socially, really reconnect with that sense of purpose and really connect with healthcare services that they needed. And so I think it's just a huge point where, where veterans are coming through where we can really meet them where they're at. Sounds like a, a really meaningful experience, Jeff. And it sounds like for you, the, the mission really was personal that you went through, you know, your own um, moment of transition where you were, you know, looking for meaning and looking for purpose. And it sounds like being a, in an academic setting gave you that experience and you were able to really uh, step into this program. So what was it like for you to go from the military to civilian life? It was a lot more difficult than I anticipated. I had come out of the, the military and, and I was proud of my experiences and ready to move on to that next phase in my life. I was excited to come to Austin, like I said, and I didn't realize what I was in for. So I was uh, wounded in Iraq in 2007, and I really thought I had dealt with a lot of that, uh, you know, before I got out. And then when I got into college, all of a sudden that stuff started to come back. You know, the more I started to learn, I really delved in, like I, I pursued Middle Eastern studies. I was deployed to the Middle East. And I really started to delve into the, the history and the political situation and really understand it. And things started to change. I think I would call it more of like a post-moral injury. Things that seemed very clear to me going in, uh, I started to question a little bit, you know, coming out. And I'm still very proud of what I was doing, but it became much more complex the more I learned and the more I delved into the topic. And so, uh, you know, stuff started to come back for me. Um, plus that whole support network. I mean, when you're, you come into the army and you make a permanent change of station and, and you move to a new base, um, you, you become very tight knit very quickly. Uh, you're making, you're making friends, you're figuring out who you like, who you don't, you're hanging out with them, you're working together, you're playing together. A lot of times you're living together, you know? And so uh, you make fast friends and almost, it becomes like family very quickly, especially when you do really intense training. I was jumping out of planes with these folks. Uh, we were doing very intense training and then we deployed together. And so uh, it really bonds you together in a way where it becomes much slower once you come back into the civilian life where um, in the military, it could be like, hey, do you want to, you know, grab some lunch and people would be readily available. You know, in, in civilian life, it became a more slow process of getting to know people. And so that social support that I was so used to having, you know, and was still available through phone calls in distant places. But um, that in-person support was really uh, much more slow to come by. And so uh, that was difficult. And then really assessing that sense of meaning as I was learning and really what, what my life direction was. And so um, that accompanied with, you know, what I was going through, like uh, just kind of with my experiences from Iraq, um, just made it a difficult time. Uh, thankfully, I, I connected with a faith community. I connected with different folks uh, that really walked with me through that, but it was, it was a difficult process. And so um, when I came in, there was no student veteran services at, at the University of Texas. And uh, that started to change as I got closer to graduation. And thankfully, I got to become a part of that. Wow, Jeff. So it sounds like really, you know, kind of entering this period of rebuilding relationships and connections and reevaluating. So thank you really for, for sharing that with us. And I, I know every veteran's experience is unique, but I'm curious, how does your experience align with other student veterans now that you've been on the other side and have been able to work with veterans and, and what you do? Well, I think that social piece is, is huge. And in my counseling with veterans, that theme would come up time and time again. I feel like I can't relate with people around me. I feel really 
outside of the community. I had one veteran that it just stands out to me this, to this day said, I may go to college, but I'll never be in college. So there was this feeling of, of not connecting and not being a part of that community. And so I think there's that, that search for relationship and then that search for purpose and really being a part of things, really feeling like you're a part of the mission when you're in the military and then coming out and maybe wondering where, where you're at, you know, and really searching those things. And some people I found had an idea of what they wanted and they went through a similar um, transition as me to maybe finding another sense of purpose in life. So I think those, those things really align. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I'm going to forget that quote of, I may go to college, but I may not be in college. I think that kind of really captures you know, what, what you were just saying in terms of um, people searching for meaning and being able to kind of uh, really search for that connection, which I think is a really good segue for us to bring Adam into the conversation and talk a little bit about the the research that he's been a part of. So thanks for sharing that story, Jeff. Adam, you recently published an article titled Protective Factors That Mitigate the Indirect Risk of Combat Exposure upon the meaning in life, a longitudinal study of student veterans. Uh, I want you to uh, tell us about this work and, and how did you come to this work? Why student veteran research is important to you? So I was fortunate enough to be supported for my PhD at uh, the Department of Occupational Therapy at Colorado State University by the New Start for Student Veterans program. It's a supported education program uh, for student veterans with service-related disability and other, other challenges that make going back to school difficult. So I conducted my dissertation. I collaborated with this program. And in, in terms of why this kind of research is important to me, I would just echo what Jeff said in terms of this being a really important transition period or kind of a, an inflection point where we can make a lot of difference in terms of the, the long-term trajectory of uh, the veterans return to the community. I think it's, it's more than just, you know, supporting educational success. I can, I think it has a, a broader impact on the, uh, that transition. And what I mean by that is educational success, uh, educational attainment can kind of both improve the, the material conditions for the veteran, which is like a social determinant of health. And that can, influence health-related outcomes, but also it's, it's as Jeff was talking about, it's a period where veterans can kind of bolster their psychological resources. They can achieve a greater sense of, of meaning and purpose. It's more than in education in a lot of ways. It's a, it's a way to explore new ideas. You explore yourself, what you're capable of, um, develop new relationships and things like that. But Often, as Jeff pointed out, that transition is, is difficult. So it's important to, to learn more about that transition so that we can better target uh, supports. Thanks, Adam. I can definitely see that, that connection there with what Jeff was mentioning previously in terms of exploring yourself and making connections and learning about yourself. Now, what's interesting about your study is that you focus on this idea of meaning in life. What do you mean by that? Well, in the literature, meaning in life kind of refers to two different ideas. One is this idea that you interpret your existence as valuable, so your life is, is meaningful, and also that it's purposeful. 
that your daily activities are kind of organized around some goal or some coveted future that you have. You're working towards something. And how does that relate to that being a central part of well-being for people? Well, I think in order for people to appraise their lives as meaningful and purposeful, they have certain life experiences that serve as uh, sources of meaning. And those life experiences reflect psychological well-being. So a positive sense of yourself and your relationship with the world. So things like self-esteem and self-efficacy, you have the sense that you're able to overcome obstacles and achieve goals. Also, uh, your ability to engage in activities that align with your values and interests, whether that's leisure activities or activities with others. And as Jeff was pointing out, having positive relationships with others, having relationships with people where you are able to support them and you feel supported by them. All of those things are really important sources of meaning that contribute to um, psychological well-being and your appraisal of your life as meaningful and purposeful. That's really interesting to hear, Adam. And, you know, one of the things you mentioned was that people's experiences really shape what this looks like and how they experience this and how they appraise this. Now, your your research was looking specifically at the experience of veterans that have been exposed to combat. And I was curious to hear from you about, you know, how do challenges such as combat exposure impact the perspectives on the meaning of life? You know, there there's this idea of post-traumatic growth. So some would say that many people who undergo traumatic circumstances, um, such as combat exposure, actually come through those experiences with a greater sense of meaning. It kind of clarifies uh, your, your values or it kind of makes you appreciate life more. But in addition, it can also have a negative effect on your meaning in life or your sense of meaning in life. So often what accompanies combat exposure, those often reflect uh, physically and psychologically traumatic circumstances for some. So as a result, uh, veterans may come through those experiences with uh, service-related conditions like uh, mild traumatic brain injury, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, and chronic pain. So those conditions can both make it difficult for you to think and have a positive appraisal of your life. It, it kind of affects your belief system in a way that may make it difficult to look upon your life and, and, and come away with a positive uh, perspective on it, but also kind of undermines your ability to have those meaningful life experiences that we we're, we we're just talking about. It affects your ability to have uh, positive relationships in some cases. Disabling conditions can make it difficult for you uh, to successfully complete activities that you find meaningful, uh, like you know playing with your kids, for instance, things like that. So all of that can have a negative impact on your sense of meaning and purpose in life. Now, it truly sounds like um, it can have a, a widespread rippling effect on, on people's perspectives and experiences. And I, I wanted to ask that same question of you, Jeff, you know, having worked with students and having had your own experience, you know, how do challenges such as combat exposure impact perspectives on the meaning of life? Now, that's a great question. And I love this conversation because I think as, as Adam referred to, it can be so complex. I mean, you can have this post-traumatic growth 
and these things that do impact, you know, your meaning of life in a negative way, and they can coexist in some ways. And so it can often be kind of complex to tease out, but um, I, I've just kind of, I've seen it as far as like, um, mostly an avoidance of, of relationships and experiences that could really help bring some of their strengths to the game. And so uh, really, uh, I've seen you know, as far as people working through trauma and their experiences and how their beliefs have shifted, maybe with a more negative outlook about the world, really uh, impact maybe their future choices and, and where they're going. Um, and even their um, ability to connect with other people, maybe because for very good reasons from an experience, uh, they felt like they couldn't trust people quite as fully as they could before. And so, you know, those have certainly impacted several domains that, that Adam has, has brought up. Yeah, and I really appreciate what you said, Jeff, there about kind of that undercurrent of avoidance that keeps people from activities really, you know, gets in the way of being able to allow people to tap into that, their strengths, right? I think you said bring the strengths to the game. So I, I think that, you know, brings up the, the next question I had for you, Adam, in terms of resilience, you know, those, those strengths, those protective factors, how do they facilitate resilience? Yeah, so to take a step back, I, resilience is, there's not really a consensus on what it is. The, the concept of resilience that I'm most convinced by is viewing resilience as this ongoing and complex uh, process rather than an inherent trait or ability that an individual has. So it's the process um, by which humans can achieve positive outcomes however you consider those outcomes, whether it's educational attainment or meaning in life, and it can achieve those outcomes despite exposure to adverse circumstances that would otherwise undermine success. And it's also important to note that this process is, like I said, very complex and, and affected by things at multiple levels, including like the individual, um, the interpersonal level, so your relationships and broader societal forces, um, social structures, and, and things of that nature. So when I say the, the factors that influence this process, one of the really important concepts in resilience are uh, protective factors, um, which are forces that kind of mitigate the negative influence of these adverse circumstances, or what's called uh, risk factors in the literature, and help you achieve positive outcomes. I really appreciate you kind of breaking it down for us because I think, you know, sometimes, you know, resilience is such a broad topic. You know, there's a lot of definitions out there. You know, people think that sometimes it's something that either you have or you don't. And I think to really hear it from you about there's just so much that goes into it, that it is a process that can be built over time, I think is a, a really important point. Uh, now, Jeff, I wanted to turn back to you uh, to see if you could talk to us a little bit about your perspective as a student veteran and as an advocate. Uh, give us a sense of the, the student veteran life from your perspective. What are some unique needs and experiences of veterans in higher ed? Well, I think, you know, one thing that's important to note is that um, there's, a, there's a huge overlap between veterans and what we call non-traditional students, which are students that don't typically fit in that 18 to 22-year-old um, age range. And so what I mean by that is there's just different roles they have. You know, there's a role like many of our student veterans are married and they had children. And so uh, maybe sometimes they were trying to maintain some kind of work. 
you know, and so there were, uh, you know, that's, that's very much shared in common with non-traditional students. And we really saw a connection between non-traditional students and veterans. And they had a lot more in common than they, than they uh, would think. Uh, and so there's a lot of uh, factors considering those things as far as that impacts the student life experience. You know, are there social opportunities for people that fit in that non-traditional um, age bracket? But I think some of the unique needs and experiences of veterans in higher education, veterans have a lot of strengths to bring, as I had mentioned before. They come in uh, in this unique spot where they've gone through a lot of training. Uh, they've had responsibility for uh, oftentimes million dollars of equipment as a 20-year-old. You know, and they're coming in in this place where they're not quite a student, perhaps, but not quite a professor. Maybe they feel like they socially connect more with people that are older, perhaps more like their professor. And so considering that those social needs we talked about before, you know, is the school offering a student veteran association or something for non-traditional students where they can connect? And I think that, that that experience, though, is, you know, do I fit in here? You know, do I belong here? Uh, and, and what we would try to emphasize is that you have so much to learn from these other students around you, even though you have tons to give them as well from your experience. There is so much to learn because coming in, I mean, I came in with seven years of experience as an Arabic linguist and special operations, you know, and you, I would come in with this attitude like, well, you know, I have a lot, you know, but I, I just learned so much that, that um, these students have so much to offer and so much that I can learn from them, from their experiences. Student veterans bring a lot of unique strengths. So I'm wondering if you could talk to us about what are the ways that we can acknowledge some of the struggles of being a, a veteran in higher ed to help us dispel some of the stigma and overcome maybe some of the stereotypes that people bring? Yeah, so it was really um, amazing. There was this uh, PhD student, you know, that was uh, an assistant in our student veteran office that did research on communications concerning veterans. And she did this huge broad study of, of news communications and who speaks about veteran issues. And veterans were surprisingly low on the list as far as who had a voice in the conversation. And uh, it was often mental health professionals and politicians and other folks that really had a, a much stronger voice in the public sphere as far as what's going on with veterans. And so we sat together with my uh, coworkers at the University of Texas and veterans, and we just made it a strong point to include veterans in everything we did. Oftentimes, uh, you know, we can view them as service recipients coming from my angle as a social worker. And sometimes it's very appropriate, right? Like involving them, you know, in mental health services and providing those. But there's so much in that transition where I think we can build on those strengths they have in leadership and that desire to serve, to serve each other in the greater college community uh, that maybe aren't tapped into. And so we really wanted to um, bring them together. We used to present and we did present when appropriate about mental health issues. Um, TBI, which are important. And there was a part that was missing about that transition and that veteran experience. And so we got together this group of student veterans to speak um, to, you know, we called it the conversation and they would have a conversation with faculty and staff about their experience. And so much was about the way they were perceived and uh, so much, uh, and they would try to drive it toward their strengths. And people really wanted to focus on PTSD and TBI, which are important but it didn't capture their complete experience. And so they were talking about these strengths and what they wanted to contribute. And people would try to bring it back to the more deficit stuff, you know? And so, um, 
it was just an interesting process to watch. And so, um, but I think the more that, you know, we can include them in all the processes, they have so much to give and really empower them and give them that space to lead and serve each other. I think it really, and serve the greater college community. I think it really can help in that, that transition and that college experience. I'm wondering if you could share with us, what are some aspects of the military experience that help student veterans succeed? So, I mean, from my perspective, uh, like when, when I was in college, before I was in the military, uh, I turned in assignments very, uh, very much close to the deadline and <laughs> still, but uh, I found myself after, after I came back, really backwards planning, uh, we call it, you know, and, and really uh, plotting out my papers ahead of time. I think really helping other people out and, and, and drawing on that desire to serve. Um, you know, I think that experience uh, and that leadership experience can really be perhaps uh, built upon in the, in the classroom through cr- class projects. And so I, I just think there's so many strengths. I mean, even helping them, you know, mentor other students, you know, getting them involved in mentorship opportunities for younger students. I mean, there's just tons of opportunities where they can get involved and use those strengths. I think you're already kind of hitting at some of those pieces of really kind of what, you know, creates that experience and maybe feeds into some of the work that, you know, Adam has been doing about the meaning in life. So Adam, I I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about your research study. Tell us more about the study. So we surveyed uh, 153 veterans um, enrolled at Colorado State University who self-reported deployment to combat zone. Um, And a portion of that sample participated in the supported education program I mentioned, uh, New Start for Student Veterans. What's unique about that is typically samples of student veterans don't really capture a wide variety of uh, service-related challenges. Using uh, participants in the supported education program uh, allowed us to, to capture more of that diversity. And so what we were looking at was whether combat exposure indirectly influenced veterans' sense of meaning and purpose in life uh, through mental health and physical symptoms. So in other words, do veterans who have more severe uh, combat exposure report more symptoms of things like PTSD and depression um, and pain? And in turn, do veterans who report more of those symptoms report a lesser sense of meaning and purpose in life. And importantly, what are some of the protective factors that kind of lessen potentially negative impact of combat exposure on veterans' meaning and purpose in life? It sounds like you were looking at the impact of combat and also how protective factors may, you know, mitigate that. Um, Can you tell us what, what did you learn about the impact of combat from your study? It was, as we hypothesized, um, those with more combat exposure, and what I mean by that is those who had more um, exposure to events um, that are common in warfare, including like being fired upon, um, also the subjective experience of combat, so uh, like fearing for one's safety and well-being, um, and being exposed to the aftermath of um, the consequences of war. Um, all of those kinds of experiences were captured in combat. And what we found was as expected, and this is well documented in the literature, that those with more severe combat exposure 
reported more severe symptoms of mental health and, and physical conditions like PTSD, depression, and pain. What was unique about the study was we provided evidence that it has a ripple effect on veterans' sense of meaning and purpose in life. So not only was it associated with these mental health symptoms and related to what Jeff was saying, kind of this like deficit approach, like this is what we tend to emphasize, right? You know, more severe exposure to combat, you're more likely to report PTSD symptoms. And then we kind of stop there. So what this study did was provide evidence that, okay, yes, we have these PTSD symptoms. Those symptoms also lessened veterans' sense of meaning and purpose in life. So that, that was what we found in terms of you know, the negative effects of combat exposure. I really appreciate we mentioned that the study takes it a step further. What did you find about protective factors uh, and, and how did that influence the impact? Yeah, so to take a step back, um, we looked at whether protective factors operated in two different ways. Um, that tend to be tend to show up in the the literature. First, it's called a like a compensatory model of resilience. So whether these protective factors improve positive outcomes, kind of completely taking um, combat exposure out of the picture. So whether you had combat exposure or not, these things um, kind of promote your ability to achieve positive outcomes. So what we found there was coping ability. Um, so your perceived ability to manage life stressors um, and meaningful activities. So the extent to which you engage in activities that are uh, kind of aligned with your values and interests, those kind of promoted meaning and purpose in life, regardless of whether the extent to which you were exposed to, to combat and whether you had these uh, symptoms. And in addition, we looked at um, what's called a moderator model of resilience. So these are when protective factors directly address the adverse circumstance. They mitigate the extent to which um, combat exposure influences these outcomes that you're interested in. Um, so what we found there were indicators of positive relationships. So we looked at social support and instructor autonomy support. So whether uh, student veterans kind of perceived that their instructors kind of helped foster a sense of control over what they were doing in the classroom. Among veterans who reported high social support, high instructor autonomy support, this negative effect of combat that we were talking about moments ago was significantly lessened. It kind of, kind of dampened the impact of combat. And we saw a similar thing with academic self-efficacy and coping ability. So academic self-efficacy is the extent to which you consider yourself someone that can persist through academic challenges, can do the things that you want to do in the classroom. That also weakened this effect of, of combat. You know, and Adam, I, I just love to, to speak to that. You know, I really see that instructor autonomy and that social support factor um, just as being really powerful things that, that, I mean, even just relating to that ability to lead a little bit or to be in that correct spot or to really be uh, given that um, autonomy and uh, maybe that potential to serve and 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 to really um, 
lead in with that sense of purpose, you know, and what they're doing. Uh, we just, we found when we partnered together with faculty and staff and the, and the veterans felt like they were working more side by side with these folks on, on common objectives inside and outside the classroom is that uh, I saw people that maybe were really impacted by combat, really um, might not have gone into normal treatment otherwise, like really start to thrive because they were really being pulled out by those folks and really um, empowered by those, those faculty and, and really uh, drawn out to where they were, you know, in a clinical sense, given exposure Right, but they were really able to to have that sense of purpose and trust and support to be able to be drawn out and really to to thrive. Yeah, that's so cool, and that's kind of um, an implication for an intervention that I hadn't thought of when I wrote this study. And it and it kind of goes back to what you were saying about um, them being non traditional students. That I'm sure many faculty are used to, you know, the typical student didn't, as you said, manage millions of dollars in equipment. So maybe they don't, they don't foster the autonomy of the typical student in the way that they, they should for these veterans who have these very unique experiences and they could be a huge asset in the classroom. You see, there you go. I like the idea already of coming up with new innovative interventions through our conversations. And yeah, I wonder if we can continue on, on this, um, line of conversation, you know, hearing all of the, the findings for the study, I'm, I'm curious to hear about the implications. What, what do you both think we can learn about veteran experiences to inform either mental health or suicide prevention efforts with this population? My main takeaway was, and it kind of relates to what Jeff and I have both been saying, that in addition to reducing the negative, things like PTSD, traumatic brain injury, we need to build up the positive and, and target the positive, in this case, a sense of meaning and purpose in life. Um, and not to say that things like PTSD are not important to address, you know, the experience of those conditions are, I can't imagine what the experience of those conditions are. They're, they definitely deserve direct attention through clinical intervention. But in addition, I think it's important to find ways to offer meaningful life experiences for these veterans, despite the experience of these conditions, like finding ways to compensate for them while you're directly addressing them, but finding ways to compensate for them so that these veterans can have these meaningful life experiences that improve psychological well-being and, and ultimately I think would play an important part in um, suicide prevention efforts. Yeah, and just agreed, you know, I mean, we do need to focus on those those clinical aspects, the, the PTSD, you know, the, the TBI, different conditions, even readjustment, you know, coming out of the military. Um, but there's so many in the student, especially in the student veteran environment, there's so many ways we can engage student veterans to continue that, that impulse to serve. Um, you know, we had, uh, you know, we saw this, you know, from our observations, seeing that lack of social support and um, that, that sense of meaning, you know, we, we worked with the student veterans to develop this orientation where uh, we trained peer mentors and we would pair incoming students with those peer mentors. And, and those peer mentors would be people that often struggled with combat trauma, you know, but they would come out to serve their brothers and sisters. You know, and so they would come out and uh, to be able to help people transition maybe better than they were transitioned in, 
So they would come out with that sense of purpose and then they would, we would connect them with, with folks of the same major so they could have a, a starting point to really connect, invite them to student veteran association events and really um, educate them, you know, on, hey, this is, this is school culture now, this is military culture, this is where it connects, maybe this is where it doesn't, you know, and, and really, um, you know, but really build on those strengths, you know, to really draw them out and get them engaged. And we'd find when people became engaged, then eventually they would connect with clinical services if they needed it, because they developed that sense of trust in the community at the University of Texas or at Austin Community College. And so it's just a, it's really a unique environment where you can really address different factors that are important for suicide prevention, both clinically and from a preventive kind of more community intervention standpoint. And so uh, there's just so much that can be done. And I really love this study because I thought it really spoke to those things and those extra factors besides focusing on, on some of those more clinical aspects, st stuff like social support and, and meaning. I appreciate that. But now, now I have to rewrite it because we came up with a new intervention. <laughs> <laughs> and really hearing you both, I mean, there's, there's just so much there that we could be doing and that could really kind of shape people's experiences. I, I wonder if maybe you could share a story with us that maybe might inspire veterans that might be listening to us and wondering whether they should be entering higher education. I saw so many veterans that came in to the university uh, that really struggled in the beginning. Some were absolutely strong from the beginning. You know, there's all kinds of veterans that came in, you know, but the, the more they got engaged and the more, and they didn't have to get involved with student, the student veteran association or anything, they could have gotten involved somewhere else, but when they got involved, they excelled. And so we saw veterans that were really struggling in that transition and really trying to find their identity. And it is a place where you can find that new identity, that new sense of meaning uh, to really move forward in life. And what ways can we acknowledge some of the struggles of being a veteran in higher ed and overcome the stereotypes? So I really think that first of all, acknowledging there are many overlaps in that between that non-traditional student population and student veterans. They share a lot more in common with other students uh, than they might think and that you might think. And uh, student veterans are so diverse, you know, from a real range of, you know, from, you know, different races and ethnicities. Women, actually, there's a higher percentage of women that are student veterans than actually serve in the military. I remember a presentation we're giving where we're talking about stereotypes and student veterans were sharing their experiences with feeling like they might have been stereotyped. And a woman veteran had said, uh, people never assume I'm a veteran at all. And that really stuck out to me, you know, as far as, um, you know, what we might assume about veterans. But um, many veterans do struggle with PTSD. Uh, we acknowledge that. Um, but there's so much more that's just common to that student experience and uh, treat them accordingly. Don't overly fragilize. You know, uh, we talked about this part where um, people would be afraid to maybe confront uh, certain behaviors because they uh, didn't want to disrespect. And, and we're just like, you can just treat, treat students and handle students and student issues, you know, treat them equally, you know, uh, with consideration for some of these things. But um, really um, treat them like other students. There's so many common issues. Jeff, if, if we have uh, veterans that want to get involved and are seeking support, how would someone go about getting connected with the VITAL program? 
That's a great question, Edgar. And there are so many good vital programs across the country. Look up VA College Toolkit. It has all the vital sites and contact numbers for each site. And what are some other resources that they should consider? Your local VA. I mean, really engaging with your local VA, your local transition case management program, your school mental health clinic. They will often have resources. And many colleges have a student veteran center now where they process your GI Bill benefits. And often they offer other services as well. Um, If you have a student veteran association, often they're connected with resources in the community. Both of you have given us a lot to think about. I think as we wrap up, I'm going to first start with you, Adam. Do you have any parting words uh, to wrap up our conversation today for veterans and others that might be listening? I just want to say I really appreciate having this conversation with you and Jeff and, and talking about how this research that can often seem, you know, abstract when you're typing away at your keyboard, you know, connecting it to the lived experiences of, of those actually going through this trans- transition. I've, it's been super valuable to me. I really appreciate it. And one of my main takeaways, and I think about this often, is regardless of what discipline you are, whether you're a psychologist, uh, an occupational therapist, a, a social worker, if you really push a, a clinician on what the ultimate goal of their services are, it, it would be something like helping people achieve a meaningful and, and satisfying life. And we do it in different ways. But I, th- I think saying it out loud sometimes, saying it explicitly, and, and as a researcher, I have the bias of maybe measuring it <laughs> too, but really emphasizing that in organizing our, our services in pursuit of that goal specifically I think might change our services in, in subtle ways that could that could ultimately be helpful. Yeah, really being intentional and thoughtful and and thanks for, you know, really contributing to our understanding of that so we can learn how to be able to do that better to serve our veterans. Jeff, I wanted to close out with you. Any any closing thoughts or advice you want to offer to student veterans that you wish you had known? Oh, man. Yeah. And so I really appreciate this conversation today as well. And I just think if you're a student veteran right now, um, get involved somewhere. Um, Really uh, get involved in community. It takes a lot of work, but really finding that community for you, whether it be in the the veteran community or in volunteering somewhere or in a faith group, wherever, you know, uh, just there's a chance to thrive and not just survive through college. You know, you can you can be in college and have a, a really meaningful experience. Just get involved, get engaged with services, seek help early and, and often. For me, you know, I was really taught to really kind of carry my own load. Uh, I didn't want to share the load across rocks if I didn't need to, to use an army term. And this is absolutely a time to really engage and, and use those resources reach out to your community, reach out to those peer mentors if you have them, reach out to the VA, um, reach out to your student veteran services, uh, use tutoring, seek help early and often, and really you will connect with that sense of meaning. Uh, I know I did. It took a little bit of time. It took some process. It took some processing. Uh, it took a journey, but um, you, you will thrive. You will make it through. And so and uh, you have a lot to give. Thank you, Jeff. Really important words and really thank you both for 
the the support and the services you provide to our veterans make sure that they're succeeding and and getting the the services that they deserve so that's that's all we have for today thank you again both for joining it's been a a, a pleasure of mine to be able to have this conversation and and thank you all for what you do thank you this was awesome thank you i really enjoyed this That's it for this episode. You can find more short takes on your favorite podcasting app. And if you like what you hear, subscribe to the show and give us a review. Until next time, you can follow us on Twitter at rmyrec. We'll see you then. Take care. Short Takes on Suicide Prevention is an informational podcast and not a substitute for mental health care. If you are having an emergency, call 911 or reach out to the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. And for veterans or service members, press 1. This podcast does not necessarily represent the views of the Department of Veterans Affairs or the United States government.